Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Hey team, this week I'm talking with Neha. Name change for anonymity. She is a first-generation Indian immigrant who worked in big tech based out of the Bay Area, California. She now works to create awareness about undiagnosed ADHD in South Asians, especially women, and sells ADHD and autism-friendly products on her website, posticktravels.com. And just as a quick note here, Hacking ADHD listeners can get a 15% discount with the code HACKING15 on all purchases from her site. In our conversation today, Neha talks about her history of chronic domestic and emotional abuse and how finally acknowledging and getting help with her PTSD revealed her ADHD symptoms and diagnosis. We explore the lasting impacts of childhood trauma from physical and emotional abuse to neglect and its connections to ADHD and other mental health issues. We also go into the importance of self-validation, diagnosis, and self-compassion in the healing journey. Through our discussion, we try and provide insights into living with and managing ADHD, emphasizing small ways we can work with our brains instead of against it. As such, this episode is a bit more intense than some other episodes, so if that's not something you're up to right now, feel free to skip this one or come back to it later. That said, I think this is an incredibly powerful episode and want to thank Neha again for the vulnerability of coming on the show and sharing her story. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash 157. All right, keep on listening to find out how trauma could play a role in your ADHD. Do you want to do a quick introduction and just tell us a little bit why you're here? For sure. So I'm Neha. I currently run my own business on pet products and travel products for people with neurodivergence. I'm here because I have ADHD and I also have complex trauma, which I was told that I have, which manifested as a lot of comorbidities like MDD, GAD, that is major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder. And I sort of went on a whole Russian roulette of diagnoses like bipolar 2, borderline, all these before the doctor eventually found a link between complex trauma and ADHD. And I'm here to sort of spread some awareness about it because how this affected me and impacted my adult life. I don't want anybody else to go through that and be 31 and then (laughs) realize that, oh, a lot of my symptoms are a result of things that happened to me. A very interesting thing about complex trauma that my ADHD psychiatrist mentioned was people who suffer or are in a situation where they are just unable to escape, like their body is just unable to escape. They develop defense mechanisms where their brain escape or like leaves the chat, quote unquote, while their body is still there. Mm -hmm. So while you are there and you physically cannot escape when you are getting tortured or abused, but your brain can self-soothe, your brain can just, you know, I'm not here. And I didn't realize that this was a thinking pattern. This is the way my brain was getting wired when I was a kid. And it led to a lot of inattentiveness, a lot of distractibility, which was Not really noticed, but as I grew older and responsibilities became a lot, and especially when I reached a safe space, the brain's rewiring didn't change. So I developed ADHD because the moment never felt safe for me and my brain, and we just wanted to escape that moment. Yeah. I'm here to talk a little bit more about things like corporal punishment, verbal abuse, physical abuse, which happen in a lot of cultures, and they are not only normalized, but also quite often encouraged. 
and how they can manifest as adults with ADHD and how we can either catch those signs early on and if you are an adult like me you can't go back and fix your childhood but at least you can tap into it and realize that oh your brain developed a certain way in response to certain events and you can still take charge go to a doctor get diagnosed and go from there like a clean slate so thank you so much william for having me yeah because we do see a lot of these comorbidities that come with ADHD and I've written a little bit about how trauma can be associated with ADHD and especially with the CPTSD, the complex trauma there is. It often, we are like, when we think about trauma, we think about this big T trauma where there's a specific event. This is, you know, there was this one terrible event, but then complex trauma is just all these events that, you know, maybe they can all be very bad, but you know, it's, it's adding into something else. Exactly. This is extremely important, like the point you mentioned, because I think till about a year ago, till I had another incident with people who had abused me, I was in touch with them and I had a major altercation, which I was in like on bed rest for a week because that's how shaken I was. But to your point, I was in complete denial that something is wrong, quote unquote, with me because I didn't have any flashbacks. I didn't have any, oh, you shouldn't go there. Because I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't have any flashbacks or any memories. And that's what caught my psychiatrist, you know, like a light bulb went off. She was like, the fact that you don't have memories is the scary part. And I was like, okay. I was like, no, you know what? Like people who are veterans and people who are in car crashes, like trauma is for them. For me, it's just very like, no, I mean, I don't even remember anything. So I'm pretty sure I have moved on. And she was like, no, you have not moved on. it's so deep seated that you don't even remember like that's how you function like not trusting people and this is one very very important thing to highlight because complex ptsd manifests very differently than like your regular ptsd because complex ptsd is chronic abuse something which happens to you especially at a younger age there are many people who are doing some excellent work on complex ptsd but i think it really needs to be highlighted that while ptsd symptoms also come there is obviously an overlap but complex ptsd can manifest as oh i hate myself oh i'm so ugly oh i'm so fat or nobody loves me a lot of people ask me at work situations or in school that why do you think everybody is thinking negatively about you and why do you have such a negative outlook on life and i was like i don't know like this is how i am and then somebody asked me what was your happiest moment and i was like i'm not sure if i have had a happy moment i've only had relieved moments that was like the warning sign that because people who have ptsd completely inspired by all their stories they usually say that there was a before and an after for me and unfortunately a lot of people who have complex ptsd there is no before that is it complex ptsd also manifests like if events happen to you when you were 15 years or younger that basically forms your like whole brains rewiring like your brains rigid wiring for example and that's very difficult to overcome so yes i'm very glad that you bring that up because i think we need to spread a little bit more awareness about complex ptsd and have a lot more conversations about that because the treatments are slightly different a lot of treatments that we follow for ptsd they may not work because emdr like the first line of treatments that we give they didn't work for me because i just didn't even have a memory which we were trying to tackle mm-hmm. i have like my whole life <laughs> yeah. 
it was like what do i pick because it's pretty much each day that i was suffering so i don't even have like one incident and how it has manifested in me is of course like there's immense shame about being myself immense shame about the fact that oh you are worthless immense hypervigilance which has given me generalized anxiety disorder mm-hmm. and a lot of chronic pain so it has manifested in that and i completely thought that oh i maybe i have anxiety because of you know my job or i have chronic pain because i have flat feet or i have hypervigilance because i am super motivated to work and it's only when i developed like serious heart palpitations because life responsibilities increase you are not a kid anymore you have bills to pay and you have a dog to take care of and you have life to do and you have your adhd to manage and when it got a lot that's when i was now able to take charge and be like okay i have been chasing the wrong thing and sort of saying that oh i'm okay i don't have this because that was not what i had quite frankly i had complex ptsd which is slightly different and the modalities are slightly different treatments are slightly different i'm glad that we are able to get to this place where we have a distinction and we can treat both these comorbidities like separately both of these things can also just on their own mimic symptoms of ADHD which means that having ADHD and them is you just have this like pile on effect where it magnifies some of these things and so when you do have these like triggers and things it can make it so much worse because you're just like oh well I was messing with my ADHD but now this is what's going on for sure so very good point because what happens with me or what happened with me and now my prefrontal cortex tells me that don't do this is if anything went wrong that oh my dog has diarrhea for example immediate reaction was you are useless you are worthless and that was such a defeating like mentality because if you say oh my dog has diarrhea let me add some pumpkin paste to his diet or let me give him some chicken rice that's like oh i take ownership of something happened i'm still doing my best and being a little bit kinder to myself but the first thought that would and unfortunately two out of 10 times still comes to my brain now is oh, of course you're useless that is what the key issue is because you have such strong feelings of self worthlessness and with adhd we are designed a certain way where things work slightly differently for us you know someone may look at my calendar and be like oh my god you're super productive because these are guidelines i have kept in place to be quote unquote productive or manage my ADHD and this has only come after i've realized that oh it is my brain doing this it's not me who's the problem while on the other hand my brain because of complex ptsd is constantly telling me that oh you are wrong you are worthless you are useless you shouldn't have been born and to think about it when you like already have some other challenges which again it's a spectrum so some challenges came as a result of complex ptsd or just developed over time it doesn't lend itself to a very beautiful situation because yes you are struggling with organization you are struggling with executive dysfunction you are struggling with emotional regulation and on the other hand your brain is constantly butchering you by telling you that you're useless of course you deserve this of course you can't do anything right and that is where a very big challenge lies where you have to sort of separate the two and be a little bit more rational about the fact that let's treat something which i can get treated and while working on my subconscious like rewiring for complex ptsd yeah could you uh, speak a little bit on the ace test there for sure for sure 
this was the test that actually made me realize what adverse childhood experiences are so a stands for adverse childhood experiences and again like coming from a cultural context where i come from <laughs> these things are not called adverse they are just called childhood experiences so when i looked at it it's called as and there's a website you can take a test there are many websites you can take the adverse childhood experiences test and after taking the test please go back and get your results like what does a a score of 3 mean or what does an a score of 4 mean because people who have an a score of 4 plus people like me they have like a 50% higher chance of heart disease 60% higher chance of substance abuse so it's called the adverse childhood experiences test and i would highly recommend everybody just everybody has a childhood <laughs> as far as i know unless you are still a kid and even if you are so take that test because it will shed a little bit more light on what you went through and in america i think almost two out of 10 people say they have had like three or more adverse childhood experiences which is a lot and 60% of the population of america say that they have had at least one like adverse childhood experience which is a lot so there are people who are suffering who just don't know what to do or there are people like me who don't even know it was adverse if you have read this book called the body keeps the score it's a very very famous book what he says is from a manifest in our body even before we were born and while your brain may seem to forget it like how i was saying that i don't even remember your body literally keeps the score so i think it'll be very very helpful for people to just take that test take a step back and be like ah oh, because it will really really help yeah our bodies learn to cope with whatever was happening and then now we have this maladaptive thing being like that's also a danger and that's a danger and that's a danger because what we thought was safe wasn't safe Yeah that's actually the most challenging thing and that's the biggest thing i want to highlight because a kid is born into this world with nothing except his parents and you have no way to go like human children are dependent on their parents for 18 some kids are still dependent on their parents but <laughs> let's not go there but at least still i mean it's not like dogs that you can just spend for yourself after you are a couple of months or something like that and how my circumstance was that if they are your entire like bubble and the only bubble outside are friends and maybe teachers who also subscribe to the same philosophy of corporal punishment then a person genuinely has no way to go because i have told a couple of men i dated or a few of my friends and because they were aware of my family situation and just my abuser they were like oh but everything seems so fine like oh my god but they love you so much and they care about you so much and like yeah but you're not alone with them so exactly to your point your body is like i can't escape the situation i have no option but to stay in this life threatening situation so for you the whole world is untrustworthy because our brains are sponges when we are kids even before you are born like how your mother went through labor or just from the ages of 0 to 3 when you have not even gained consciousness what happens then impacts your own life and it does take a lot of resilience a lot of therapy a lot of working with a lot of listening to podcasts like this mm-hmm. Yeah, I know with when I was going through therapy, I wanted to be able to just be like, well, this is what happened and now I'm better. It's like, well, no, that's your body is holding on to it, your brain is holding on to it. Like it's not easy to get out of and it's going to take a lot of work. It can, but there is still hope and I mean, I would say I ran away from home when I was 20. I completed my undergrad on May 24th and I left home on May 31st. I was like, I'm out. I haven't gone back since then. and every single time i go back it manifests as extreme hypervigilance ptsd anxiety heart palpitations and i think 
I speak for a lot of people when I say this, there's a lot of gaslighting, which I really want to talk about. Because when you are explaining yourself, it is shouting. But when they are shouting, they are explaining themselves. And there is a lot of gaslighting which happens, which for a kid really undermines their experiences, number one, their emotions, number two, and what they end up feeling about themselves. Because firstly, it makes you feel that, oh, maybe I am wrong that I'm being physically abused, or I am wrong that I'm being called manipulative, or I am wrong because I couldn't get this math problem right and accept the fact that I may not be good at math or just <laughs> I may have ADHD or whatever. And the second thing, what it teaches a child is what your emotions are, don't trust them because they are wrong. Like if you're feeling hurt or if you're feeling that I think I was abused, I just got slapped or spanked or whatever because of something undiagnosed there and not really me, you are told, the gaslighting tells you, no, of course not. No, you are wrong. And the third thing is you grow up with a whole, like you grow up not trusting your own self. And that is really tragic because the first thing everybody teaches you, believe in yourself, self-compassion, be kind to yourself. But you were basically told through your entire complex PTSD experience that all your feelings are invalid, all your emotions are invalid, your perception of reality is invalid. And that causes a lot of dissociation and it eventually manifests as like you don't know who to trust. If you can't trust yourself, then you are like, oh, am I feeling, is this right? Shall I second guess it? Shall I third guess it? I have never been right. And then the problem is that if there's one out of 10 times, okay, you did come home late, for example, or you did eat that chocolate instead of having your tiffin. I always told you that you are this. And then that one thing you are like, oh, of course, they are always right. Oh, of course, they were also right those nine out of 10 times as opposed to, okay, maybe this time I was genuinely wrong because I'm a kid and I did eat that chocolate. But the nine out of 10 times I was gaslighted. And this is something very, very important I want to highlight that if someone around you feels which in my case, a couple of friends did, but we were what, a bunch of like 10 year olds, what could we do? I didn't take it seriously. And I just kept thinking that, oh no, of course it's my problem. Of course it's my problem. It's only much, 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 much later when I spoke to a lot of people, I joined a couple of groups. It's only when I met and found a community that I found out that, oh, this was not just with me. So I would highly encourage, if you are a kid, there are definitely different resources that you can get into. But if you are an adult, please go find that community. I mean, it's really sad that you will still crave that validation that I was not wrong. I was not wrong. Please listen to me. And I kept doing that for like the longest time, like pretty much 30 years of my life. I was like, please tell me that you all were wrong. Like, please tell me I was not wrong. And I realized that's never going to come. And even if it's going to come, it will not be told directly to me. Like it will come and it will be like, oh, now, but you have grown up, you should move on. This is another very, very important thing. Forget where the source is for like a second. Because if you're not going to get the validation from there, don't go seeking the validation. Instead, focus on the treatment. Mm -hmm. Just think, okay, this happened to me one way or the other. Now my body is suffering. My brain, my mental health is suffering. Forget the validation because I completely understand the validation is extremely helpful and validating, of course. Like, mm -hmm. because when you have not been validated for any of your emotions, just don't go chasing that validation because that's just the tale. You have to get treated. You have to get healed. You have to fall in love with yourself. You have to start trusting and believing in yourself because you are awesome. And 
focus on that it's not easy it's very difficult i'm still trying every single day every single day something reminds me it manifests as me over explaining myself in meetings or me not being able to say no or me people pleasing or me fawning like that's the word you always use yeah. fawning and appeasing everybody because i'm just like please don't hate me i'm not wrong like you're sure i'm not wrong right are you with me and everybody's like yeah we understood your point like 10 minutes ago you can stop there's like all the shame involved cuz like we don't want to go forward with the fact i am baffled by my own shame around having been abused as a child and then being like oh i feel really uncomfortable talking around that i was a victim that should not be the case i should not be like but nonetheless i'm like i don't want people to know about this about me and it's taken a lot like talking about it on a podcast fortunately i don't have all the people listening at the same time i'm talking about it right now but it is like why is that so hard to admit that something bad happened to me absolutely and we are not victims we are survivors <laughs> yeah because yeah. i call myself a victim and actually that is extremely important no 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 we are right now saying like yeah we are survivors being a survivor and for me to say that has taken 4 years of therapy and like mm-hmm. medicine you have to accept that you were a victim because as a child if your family or your parents the ones who are your whole world are doing this to you because of that reverence you just don't feel that you are a victim i kid you not and it's extremely sad to say this but it took me my childhood best friend who knew my family who knew me she lives in germany now and she was the first person who knew my whole circle that i was able to tell and her reaction could have made or like was a make or break reaction and she told me neha tell yourself you were wronged and you are not wrong and she was like say this 10 times in front of me that you were wronged and you were not wrong and whenever i again you know to the point of shame or to the point of being guilty myself that oh maybe it was me i always say the sentence to myself that you were wronged you were not wrong exactly what you said that i was a victim like these things happened to me so this is the first step like even if you google like how to get over childhood trauma the first thing is like you didn't deserve it tell yourself this repeatedly and i cannot emphasize the importance of this more because you will not even begin to heal if you don't know you are hurt you know if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah if you're like oh no my hand is fine like there's no fracture then i'll just wear a ankle brace or whatever i'll just wear a, and i'll be fine no you won't be that's exactly treating superficially as opposed to the fact that go get an x-ray maybe you have a hairline fracture or something like that so yes start by genuinely believing that even if you were 10 year old guy high on like person high on cocaine or like whatever you still didn't deserve this treatment from your caregivers you didn't deserve to be verbally physically emotionally abused by your caregiver in any circumstance so take a step back take five deep breaths and sit with this for like a bit don't sit with it for too long because then you'll start crying and then that's not the loop we want to go into but like this is a reality and i have to treat it and i'm glad that i know this reality so that i can treat it as opposed to being in denial or being in like oh no it's fine and yeah of course i deserved it because that's not helping anybody this realization that part of our coping mechanism is blaming ourselves because if we deserve to be treated that way well then it makes sense yeah and that's hard to give up because that is now our maladaptive i deserve everything yeah been like a big root in my like depression that i've had and like cuz i was uh seeing a mental health professional for something else and they're like so we should also talk about your depression too and i'm like 
do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like exactly what you said that I think uh, to the fact that when it happens from people who you hold in like really high regard, then it's also difficult to not take the blame, right? Because you are told right and wrong from a certain place. This is the root of childhood trauma. And it's not easy at all, but sort of take a step back and be like, oh, I also had to believe it because that was my only definition of right and wrong. So don't continue that loop. Again, don't project hate. Just understand this happened. My brain and my body are reacting to it now in a certain way, and they have. And let's let's look forward and let's get treated. It is important to also realize that with ADHD, you are more likely to receive these forms of abuse because neurodivergent children are difficult. I mean, I have seen people talk about like, yeah, you can cure ADHD with abuse. And I'm like, no, this is the word. No. You cannot hit the ADHD out of someone. That is just going to make things worse. And as women, that's also very, very important. We are never diagnosed with ADHD. Like, yeah. like I was pretty much very shy and reserved, but teacher's favorite, everything. There was no way I had ADHD. Like even now, if I go back and tell anybody that I got diagnosed and I'm having medication, they were like, there's no way because ADHD is for teenage boys. Mm -hmm. It is not for girls who are getting straight A's, who are participating in extracurriculars, who are, you know, shy, reserved, sitting in a corner because sometimes they are masking so much that nobody catches me. Or if they catch me, then I will be scolded. And women are also trained to be a little bit more submissive, docile, and just be like, mm -hmm. don't ruffle too many feathers, just go with the flow and just avoid confrontation, conflict. So that's what is ingrained in our brains. So exactly to your point, ADHD kids are anyway difficult to manage. And someone who is not even diagnosed or doesn't even fit the typical criteria, not only are you doing injustice by not treating them for the like disease that they have, you're also mistreating them for something which is absolutely no fault of theirs. So again, Girls have ADHD, teenage girls, teenage kids have ADHD. <laughs> I have ADHD. I think a lot of people on your show who are women have ADHD. So we cannot stress this enough. And I cannot personally stress this enough. Please take this seriously. And it's not just for jumpy boys. It's as much for super reserved, super shy, super intelligent, super good girls, like quote unquote. Yeah. My daughter has ADHD and she's, you know, in this like high capacity program and stuff. And I'm just like... But, you know, we try and get like accommodations from the school for certain things. She does way too well in school to get any sort of accommodations. It's this thing where it's like, if you're not hurting other people, they're like, doesn't matter what it's doing to you. <laughs> I mean, I'm very happy for your daughter that she's able to like be in a high capacity position. And the fact that you recognize that she has and you are supportive, that's amazing. Because sometimes that's all you need to be like, oh, I'm not weird. I'm not abnormal. Or worst case, I'm not, my eccentricity is not madness. Yeah. Very, very, very proud of you and happy to know that there is awareness. And I wish more people, I mean, I think the generation above us is gone, but at least kids of the 80s, 90s, we are going to become parents soon. So let's have this awareness. And I think we can control the future. We cannot control the past. Yeah. So I think that's great. People like you are inspiring other parents to do that. Like hopefully a lot of other parents can follow this lead as well. And kudos to your daughter. She seems like a complete rock star. <laughs> she really is. I'm like, man, if I knew a kid like that when I was a kid, I'd be so intimidated. She's good at so many things. Like, we are also really high-achieving individuals. We are smart. I hate this term ADHD. Is a no, please. ADHD is not a superpower. Yeah. No, it's not a superpower at all. At least that's my take. 
everybody has their own take but yes we are extremely intelligent we are extremely on top of things especially when we recognize that we have adhd and if we are not on top of things then everything will fall on top of us so again that is no measure to not get anyone diagnosed just because they are killing it in school killing it in piano lessons or russian literature or something like that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they may not have it yeah i didn't get diagnosed till i was in my 20s and it has been like oh that explains so many things and i graduated college without a diagnosis but that was this is the same thing that we were talking about earlier with their shame around i'm having difficulties i'm not going to tell anyone because that's just i can't let people know yeah i was not diagnosed till i was 30 that was last year and i have no idea how i was even going through life because since i started having i don't want to name the medication because everything works differently for people but since i have started having my medication i think my life has completely transformed completely i personally medication has worked for me but even the awareness is so helpful because like you said that you were like oh like i was so liberated when i got my diagnosis because i was like oh thank god it all makes sense now and i was like okay now i can stop beating myself over and i think what i always say is stop saying i have difficulty controlling emotions like my brain does this just even that small separation even though my brain is not good but like it's still not a personal failure it's a design failure it's not any sort of thing that you have to blame you know yourself i went to business school i went uh, my undergrad i worked at one of these really big tech companies in the silicon valley in the bay area like nobody could say that you know she might be suffering because i was masking so much and that's when i burnt out I was like the swan who was like very chill very like managing my team managing my boss everything and inside I was having heart palpitations like no one knew that I was having heart palpitation medication and I would always beat myself over the fact that oh how did you forget this meeting or you are so charged to complete this project and now why can't you get it done like weren't you very very excited about it suddenly like my brain would just go blank or I would be I called like my brain fog or just brain blindness mm-hmm. and the first time I had my medication and even before that just the diagnosis was so helpful for me to know that ah uh, and as soon as I had I was like I can finally see now like I can it's a very common people say that it was walking with glasses on and I was like oh my god I went through some really rigorous program some really competitive work environment without knowing that I had and if you know like exactly like how you got diagnosed in your 20s if we can be diagnosed earlier then and if there's more awareness about this then you know like you can start seeing since you are 10 or since you are whatever since you are 15 or something like that and not go around beating yourself so i'm glad people are getting diagnosed talking about it even though it might be a little bit like everybody on tiktok has adhd but i think a psychiatrist diagnosing you is not tiktok diagnosing you so please go to a doctor go talk to your pcp you can take the test there are many dsm5 tests for adhd but please go to a pcp and talk about the fact that if you constantly feel you can listen to all of uh, hacking adhd episodes to know enough that um, am i struggling with this am i struggling with this you may not but if you feel like ah oh, this happens to me and i don't want this to happen to me that's a very good start like that means that there's a silver lining there Yeah, 
one of the great things with the diagnosis is being like, oh, there is something I can do about this now. This is not just some personal failing of mine. And it's so nice to be able to be able to then focus your energies like, oh, not that I'm lazy. It's that my executive function is completely out. Okay, let's replan how I'm doing this. For sure. And you know what? You won't even need a lot of things like setting timers or I realize that it's really like small little changes that you have to do. And just the awareness helps so much because what I would tell myself is that I'm so bad at this. Oh my God, I'm so old or I'm, I'm such a mess or I was super, super mess last night. No, 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 no. Like, and if it happens on a chronic or a regular basis, then that becomes your reality. You're like, I am extremely disorganized. I'm extremely messy. And this is just the way I am. And I'm not never going to get better. And this is again such a defeatist mentality as opposed to, ah, if you fracture your leg or hand, you're not going to say, oh, this is just the way I am. And like my leg is just fractured and too bad, too bad I can't walk because my leg is like, just like, no, you're not going to say that. You'll be like, let's go to a doctor, let's get in a cast, it will come off in six weeks and then I can do physical therapy and walk. So please treat it exactly like that because not only are you struggling, you're also adding that additional layer of beating yourself over it, which is, not helping anybody. This is one of the first things I realized that I will stop doing because I was like, who are you helping by not being on your side exactly? Like, who exactly are you helping with this? Not only is your executive function the way it is, you beating yourself over it is not making it any better. So what will it take for you to, okay, if we are so far from self-compassion, but what exactly will it take for you to at least be on your own team? And that was like, oh, okay, when I struggle, Maybe I need a timer or maybe when I lose track of deadlines, maybe I just need to put everything on my calendar or, you know, if I'm late, maybe I just need a buffer time, like 15 minute buffer time before and after. And that's not rocket science. The amount of self-blame that I was putting throughout business school, because I felt everybody's doing so much better and I'm just useless and I shouldn't even be in business school. And no, <laughs> because everybody was struggling in some or the other way. I was struggling in my own way. And then you add another dollop of like there's fire and you add oil to it. So please don't add oil to it. <laughs> there's a fire already. Let's call the fire brigade. Like let's figure that out instead of, you know, oh, let's add some more gasoline or some more alcohol on top. Don't do that. Often we try and fight so hard against our ADHD and it's like, no, that's not going to work. We got to figure out how to work with it. Yeah. I'm actually very curious to know like your thoughts as what do you think? I mean, and you have interviewed a couple of people which actually in your experience, like either with the ADHD or just like what has your experience and not just your personal, but like just your observed experience been in these comorbidities. Yeah. I mean, I think the awareness piece is really important because as we were talking about, there's the shame involved and it's hard to acknowledge that something happened to you. The awareness is like, okay. I'm not alone and I'm not going to be further shamed for having had something happen. And then also just the need to escape from the idea that it needs to be this huge thing, you know, like if I wasn't in a war, then why would I have any problems? And, you know, what's great is those people feel the same way. They're like, well, I lived through the war. Why do I have, you know, it's, we're always trying to compare ourselves and be like, if I don't have the most trauma out of everyone, then I should be fine. And we have this like big, like, I should be fine. And it's like, no, I, I want to be fine, but it's going to take some work. It's going to be hard. Yeah. I think some of these words are so loaded that you are like, oh, of course, I'm not. There's a very good show on Netflix. It's called The Maid. And it's very, very powerful because this girl is emotionally abused by her boyfriend. 
and she refuses to go to a domestic violence shelter because she's like i'm not abused i'm not domestically abused it's for people who actually need it so i don't want to take up a bed or i don't want to take up a room because i was not abused he just hit next to me he didn't hit me and that is so powerful because and she has acted like extremely well which was annoying because she maintains such a stoic front because that's how your life becomes you are like let me just survive let me just go through the motions and survive and i don't care how like the refusal that again how you said that oh i went of course this happens to somebody else and i was not domestically abused maybe like the weight that comes with these words is too much for people to recognize but it is important that we do and i mean i would encourage people to see that because she goes through the same experience where she has ptsd symptoms of ptsd she develops depression she develops anxiety but she still is in complete denial because everybody takes her boyfriend side including her own parents and not only is she in complete denial herself everybody around her is like oh you're overreacting or this happens between couples or he really didn't hit you you don't even have any bruises and that's why she's like i don't have any bruises why can how can i even go to a domestic violence shelter it is for people who are actually hurt exactly how you said that i'm not traumatized you know like people are like i have lived through this and i'm not traumatized like we all feel that oh no we are very tough and resilient i think we will be a lot more tough and resilient when we are able to recognize that this happened and now we are able to get ourselves treated and get ourselves out of it as opposed to just like staying in denial because that's just suppressing emotions and it will manifest in not ideal ways if you don't catch it when you can yeah you also can't always expect to get something from your abuser either like my wife has a family friend who's no contact with their own mother because they're like I confronted her with what I thought was the issue and she said that never happened so, so we get the gaslighting and then they're just like all my wife's parents and stuff like why are you being mean to her she was such a great mom and it's just like people are more than just one thing you can have someone who loves you that also hurts you and that's what makes it so hard yeah we can have a whole episode on gaslighting because that is what makes it extremely difficult because when you confront they're like oh i don't remember or this never happened or your perception of this is completely different from what i actually intended and i would like to tell people who are suffering like two things one it doesn't matter what the intention was it can be i want to make you the president for example and that's why i did this to you it doesn't matter or i really loved you so much that i had no option but to do this to discipline you it doesn't matter it was still wrong it shouldn't have happened and on the other hand again you will get gaslighted if you have been gaslighted in the past it may happen again so there is no point chasing something which is very very elusive because what that does is it creates a loop of invalidation and then you are just stuck in that loop of invalidation because you keep going back to confront expecting an apology or expecting some acknowledgement because it does help if something goes wrong at work and someone is like i'm so sorry i shouldn't have spoken over you in that meeting you are like oh thank god like good we are on the same page yeah it's okay no worries but if someone completely denies you are like oh anybody will think that my experience was invalid so exactly don't fall into this negative feedback loop of just invalidation gaslighting invalidation gaslighting just try to steer away from that and again the focus should be on like focus in words because if you get them to accept one thing you may not get them to accept something else and it may take a lot of effort for them to even 
get to a place like my abusers have now gotten to a place where they are like okay fine it happened who cares you are now so successful you are living here and you are you have a great job or you have your own business blah, 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 and it didn't impact you right like this is the narrative there's no idea that i'm taking ketamine treatments for ptsd and that i'm on antidepressants for the last 3 years there is no acknowledgement and again i'm beating on a dead horse but don't focus there because the gaslighting yeah we can do a whole episode on it but the gaslighting is real it happens it's just just not happening to you it happens to everybody i just want to check if there's anything else that you want to cover before we wrap things up please take a step back to one of those adverse childhood experiences test it will really shed some light on who you are where you are from it's nothing just do it for fun <laughs> that oh i'm normal like everything was great go thank your parents go thank your society your friends everybody but just do it because it will shed some light on a lot of behavioral patterns and sort of take a little bit of blame away from you to like oh circumstances like it's nature versus nurture right so like it will take a little bit more to oh this happened to me what can i now do about it so take it with a pinch of salt but also just be mindful that if it reveals something about you you can sort of tap into it so i would highly recommend everyone to do that and i would highly recommend the parents of tomorrow my generation corporal punishment is not the answer if you are abusive or if you keep saying mean things to someone especially a powerless kid they may improve in that moment but if you don't even explain why you just suddenly were mean to them a they don't realize what they did wrong and then b they will just submit because they are scared of you they're never going to submit and how can you come out of that relationship with them not antagonizing you so just be mindful of that that it is not only a horrible way to discipline which will impact them it will also spoil your relationship with the kid so everybody's losing in this situation patience is best and mental health is real so please take everything seriously focus on the treatment as opposed to just isn't something you'll never get sounds good well thank you for coming on and talking about this i know this is a difficult topic and i think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it because it's something we don't always hear about that's really important to talk about of course thank you for giving people like me and other people who have complex trauma or just any other form of mental illness and how it manifests and coexists with ADHD thank you for your work thank you for highlighting this because it's all a spectrum there are no labels so it's very very important to address so that you are not like oh i don't have this i don't have that so thank you for all the work that you do Thanks again to Neha for coming on the show and thank you for sticking with us all the way to the end. I also want to point you all to the show notes which includes links to the ACE test as well to links to Neha's business, Autistic Travels where she sells sensory and nerve calming products for neurodivergent adults and children. And remember that you can get a discount of 15% with the code HACKING15. So go check it out. Before you go though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. 1. One way to evaluate the impact of childhood trauma is through the Adverse Childhood Experience Test, which can help assess what many of us might think of just a normal childhood. It's important that when we're looking at our ADHD, we also consider issues like complex trauma, which can exacerbate the symptoms. 2. Even if it feels like we don't have big T trauma, it can still play a role in how we manage our ADHD symptoms. We also have a tendency to try and minimize the impacts that trauma can have on us. It's important to remember that trauma isn't a competition then that everyone is going to respond differently. 3. It's vital for us to recognize that if we were harmed, we're not to blame and that if we're trying to seek validation from our abusers, 
will often be met with gaslighting. It doesn't matter how the abuser feels about the situation. Instead, we can focus our energy on treating ourselves with compassion and healing. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. Feel free to connect with me over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can go to the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com slash 151. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do so is to tell someone about it, especially if you think a particular episode would resonate with them. Just click the share button on your podcast player. Or you can consider supporting me on Patreon. Just go to hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon to find out more. And now for your moment of dad. So I was sitting there this morning, sitting and drinking my coffee in my slippers. And I thought to myself, I really have to start cleaning a few cups around here. <laughs>